You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You know, sometimes I've been like Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, and you got the sword of truth, but you're just whacking off ears. I did that with my older brother for years, and I was telling him truth. I was speaking the truth, but it wasn't in love. And all I was doing is chopping off ears. I wonder why in the world he never listened to me. You wonder, you're telling your husband the right thing. You're doing it. You're telling, you're telling your wife the right thing. You're telling your kids the right thing. But the challenge is speaking the truth in love. Now, they still might not listen, but that's the great challenge. As believers and followers of Christ, we're called to speak the truth to others, but to do so in a loving and peaceful way. As you've probably experienced several times in your own walk, speaking truth to others isn't always received well, no matter what the delivery is. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on what is perhaps one of the most difficult challenges we're charged with as believers. In his study, you'll learn that by growing in your relationship with the Lord, you'll learn what it truly means to speak truth with love, Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 10, as he continues his message, How to Avoid Divorce and More. and left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And we've kind of broken this up. The intention is... Two weeks from now, uh, on that weekend, to deal with singleness and single-mindedness. It's not a message solely for single people. But if you are single, it's a message you especially want to hear. But it's not limited to just singles. Anyway, then what we're talking about is limited to just married people. But I want to talk, and uh, we only got through a very, very small part of it, and that's okay. The pattern and practical challenges of a godly marriages, a godly marriage, a godly marriage. And if you have a godly marriage, you still have challenges. You know that. What are the challenges? And what is the pattern of a godly marriage? First, a godly marriage is a pure marriage. It's a pure marriage. Hebrews 
Chapter 13, verse 4, marriage should be honored by all. That's interesting because that implies not just people in the church. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, if you or someone you know is involved in sexual immorality and you say, well, I'm doing fine. Well, you won't always because God will hold you to account. Nobody gets away with anything. Marriage should be honored by all. You go back, for example, to Mark chapter 6, and in the ministry of John the Baptist, we call him. Verse 17 of Mark 6, for Herod, King Herod, himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, that implies more than one encounter, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, what you want to note here is that Herod is not a believer. He's not a Christian. So you might go, why in the world is John the Baptist telling this guy you, you, you violated God's law? Because we're called to be witnesses. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt. It's a great challenge. And so even this unbelieving king, John the Baptist says, this marriage of yours, <laughs> that's not right before God. And you know what it cost John for taking that stand? He lost his head, literally. What price are you willing to pay? What price am I willing to pay? Now, the challenge is to speak the truth in love. I can't say I've always done that. I, you know, I mean, I'm just as imperfect as you are. I'm not sure that every message I've given from this pulpit has been is done in love. I, you know, I can only judge myself so far. God knows my ultimate, God's my ultimate judge. But hopefully as I'm growing in the Lord, I'm speaking the truth more in love. You know, sometimes I've been like Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane and you got the sword of truth, but you're just whacking off ears. I did that with my older brother for years and I was telling him truth. I was speaking the truth, but it wasn't in love. And all I was doing is chopping off ears. I wonder why in the world he never listened to me. You wonder, you're telling your husband the right thing. You're doing it. You're telling, you're telling your wife the right thing. You're telling your kids the right thing. But the challenge is speaking the truth in love. Now, they still might not listen, but that's the great challenge. You go to Acts chapter 24. Paul the apostle is standing before Governor Felix. And look at what it says as Paul is talking before this governor and others with him. Verse 24 of chapter 24, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul, listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. Now, linked with that faith in Christ Jesus, it says, as Paul discoursed on righteousness, right living, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. Why would he be afraid? Because he wasn't living right. Because he wasn't practicing self-control. He's a pagan in a pagan environment, living like a pagan. Felix was afraid. And here's what he said, because he's in control of the meeting. <laughs> Something you're not in control of right now. He said, that's enough for now. Some of you are going, that's enough for now. Too bad. There's the door. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. And there's no record in the Bible or history that it was ever convenient for Felix, again, to hear the truth. But he heard the truth. 
That's what we're called to. Now, the challenge, speak the truth in love. Couldn't help but remember in studying for this message, a few years ago, I was in uh, International Mall. It was a Monday, if I remember right, my day off. The mall was not crowded at all. My wife would usually be with me. Why? Because I can't pick out clothes. Every now and then, they'll have shirts like this on sale. We go and get them for five or six bucks a piece. Some shirts that normally cost 50 bucks, we get them, you know, real cheap. And so we go over there during the sales. And I was there, and for whatever reason, my wife wasn't there, and so I need help. Uh, Here's how bad it is. Here's how bad it is. Last night, I go pick this shirt out in the closet. My wife had just ironed it. It had just been washed, all right? And I pull the shirt out, and I go where my wife is, and I say, Wendy, what pants should I wear with this shirt? And she picked these pants out. I said, Wendy, what shoes should I wear with this? She said, wear these shoes. I said, what socks should I wear? These socks. This morning, true story, I only think about it right now. This morning, I, I, I somehow went and got black socks and didn't get these. And I get here this morning and I noticed before the elders meeting we had earlier this morning, I noticed I have the wrong socks on. So I called her and said, would you bring the right socks? And so for this service, thank God, you don't have to deal with me wearing the wrong socks. Now, I look in the mirror and I just see an old man. But, but some people look in the mirror now and say, see an old man, at least he can pick out clothes. And you don't know. Now you do know. I can't pick out clothes. Back to the story. I'm in Dillard's. And uh, I'm asking the clerk. I said, my wife's not here. And I, you know, I don't know if this shirt I kind of like. And she's looking at me like, nah. I go, okay, that one's out. And I mean, she wasn't in a hurry because nobody's in the store. And we probably spent 30, 45 minutes, me uh, going and trying some on, you know, make sure they fit right. Because depending on who makes it, you know, a medium for one is a large for the other. And so I'm getting to know this girl, young lady. I find out during her helping me that she's living with her boyfriend. And my first thought is, oh, God, do you want me to say something? And I'm thinking inside, I don't want to say anything. She finds out, you know, they always ask you the question when you're with them that long. So what do you do for a living? Well, you never believe, and she would never believe. I'm a pastor. And to shorten the story, the the conversation goes on, and by the time, you know, it gets done, I've got all the shirts we picked out now, all done. I'm, I'm checking out, and now I know she's living with her boyfriend. I know what she wants to do. I know he's still in school some, and, and I say, well, you guys plan on getting married, and, um, and she's not sure, you know, and I said, well, look, why don't you, wouldn't it be better for the two of you to go ahead and get married than continue to live in, and I said the word. I said it. I said, wouldn't it be better for both of you to go ahead and get married and stop living in sin? I said, I'll marry you for free. I did. I said that. And it's like a photograph, like a video in my mind. I can see her. She looked at me sternly. She looked down and she started doing the shirt. She looked back at me. She said, sin, huh? Derogatorily toward me, sin, huh? And that I checked out and I felt uncomfortable and she felt uncomfortable. I may have felt more uncomfortable than her. And I walked away and I've never, as far as I know, never encountered her again. But it's like, a, it's like a video in my mind, and I pray that I see her, as I see her face so vividly right now as I tell the story again, I pray she never forgets my face. In a good way. 
I pray that somehow what I said would bring conviction to her and her boyfriend and that they'd come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they'd get married and have a godly marriage. Marriage should be honored by all. John the Baptist confronted Herod. Paul confronted Felix. We ought to be confronting people, not looking. No, we don't go looking for it. But when it comes, are we going to stand for truth? Because we really don't love them if we're not. You're saying we love a world that we would say, well, you believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe and let's just all love one another. No, they're going to hell. And we have religious people going to hell. We have people sitting in churches and they're not hearing the truth. And they're hearing things like, well, it's okay as long as you really love them. No, it's not. And to live this is a great challenge in the culture we live in because it's such a liberal, pervasive, sexually immoral culture. And if we are Christians, we're called to live differently and we're called to communicate something that's different, that this is not right. Look, you know, it's, I appreciate that, and I know you're saying that for truth and for the Lord, but don't you wish every church would clap like that and, and respond like that? Unfortunately, that's not happening. I, and I, I grieve for that. I agree. I wish every church were preaching the truth. I don't know what you did to me, but I'm getting emotional more of this service than anything. Maybe you guys must be really bad. Because I'm getting heated up. We may not even get through the first page today in this service. Now, here's what I'm convinced of. And I believe so. I believe this is true in the church, in, in much of the church. I believe that many people don't understand why sex outside of holy matrimony is wrong. I don't believe they've ever been taught why. And you know, we'll say, well, well, you're living in sin and they don't get a clue. All they hear is judgment, living in sin. All they hear is judgment and they have no understanding of why it's wrong. And so I want you to hear, and I told the Lord, I'm not going to hurry on this point. That's why we only got through a little bit of the notes because I'm not going to hurry on this point because I want you to understand why it's wrong. And why it's sin. God doesn't put up a sign and say, don't walk on the grass because he's just like a rule maker. He wants to see if people will keep the rules. What kind of God is that? He's a good God. He's a loving God. And he wants to bless us. And he says, here's the parameters. And if you'll live within these parameters, I can bless you. In a marriage, I can bless you. In a romantic relationship, I can bless you. But if you live outside of these parameters, you're outside of my blessing. Marriage should be honored. By all. So why? Why is it wrong to have sexual relationship outside of holy matrimony? And, and, and let me just add, holy matrimony is between a man and a woman, not between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And look, we're living in a culture also where the, the great challenge for me in my community now is in South St. Pete where I live, I've always been the minority on my street ever since we moved in. But I've never, and I, I just mean it, I really mean it, it's, just, it's true. I've never thought of Al and Gloria as Al the black and black guy lives next to me. He's just Al. He's black. And his wife is black. And if his wife was white, that is white, that's okay too. He's Al and Gloria. And I love them. 
and they're good neighbors. And on the left side, I have Butch and Barbara, and they're black, and I love them. And I never go out and think, well, you have black neighbors. We just got neighbors. So what my point is this though, my point is, my point is that's not a challenge for me. That's not a challenge for me. I love them. I love my neighbors and we're the minority on our street. I love it. Didn't plan it, but I love it. But here's the challenge for me. I don't any, there are no racial issues with me. No racial issues. But now we got people moving into the neighborhood. And then one of the, one of the, probably the hottest nightclub, uh, gay nightclub in St. Pete is right around the corner from my house. And that place is packed on Saturday night. And now we got people buying houses around us. Two doors down, lesbian couple. Homosexual guys down on this end, homosexual guys, and one, one couple just moved in. And they're walking their dogs in the morning. And I go out and my first thought is, go back in. I'm just being real with you. And then here's what the Lord's saying to me. What if they were a heterosexual couple living together, moving into the community? You'd still know that that's sin, all right? But why do you treat them any different than you do the homosexual couple? They're both sinning. One's a perversion. Yes, it's a perversion. But they're both in need of a Savior. And if I read my Bible right, Corinthians says, and this is what some of you were describing your old life, and one was homosexual. So that's my great challenge. Pray for me. Why? Why is it wrong to be married to a man? Why is it wrong to have a relationship with a man or a woman with a woman? And why is it wrong for heterosexual couples to have a relationship, intimate sexual relationship outside of the bonds of holy matrimony? Why? The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Here's what you got to get in your brain and in your heart. My body, your body was created eternally for God. And in this little blip of time, we get to live on this planet, this little blip of time, if it's God's will for you to be married, and the majority of us, that's God's will, to be married. If you're not married now, to be married someday. That's the majority of us. But that's just a little blip in time. But our bodies are meant eternally to be married to Jesus Christ. And the earthly marriage relationship is to typify, represent, and be a picture of the eternal relationship between Christ and the church. Our bodies are created for God and eternally to be married to Jesus Christ. We are the bride. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? So when years ago, I knelt in my front yard and I asked Jesus to come into my life and ask God to forgive me of my sins and Jesus came into my life by the Holy Spirit and I became a new creature in Christ and I was born again. At that moment, not only was I born again, I became one in spirit with Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ, so did you, whether you knew it or not, you became one with Christ. So now, Spiritually speaking, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, get this, and this is what I think a lot of people don't understand and why I'm not hurrying. In my marriage relationship with Wendy, 
If I all of a sudden have affections toward another woman, even in my heart, even in my heart, I've committed adultery in my heart. Or you say, well, what if it's not sexual? What if it's just emotional, like your thing with Tammy? Okay, still, still I violated my relationship with my wife. That's why when we're one with Christ now, our desire should be, and if you really know Christ, it is, to now no longer have our affection on the things of this life and the things of the world. That's why James, when he writes, he says, you adulterers and adulteresses. He's talking spiritually. He says, don't you know if you love the world, you're, 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 a, you're an adulterer, spiritually speaking? Don't love the world, neither the things in the world. Have no other gods before me. So when I allow my affections to take my, my commitment and my affections away from Christ, that is spiritual adultery. Paul, Romans chapter 6. Come on, say it together. It'll help you stay awake. You ready? Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life. One more, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Paul goes on, a lot of scripture about this in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, set apart for God's purposes, that each of you should avoid sexual immorality, that you should learn to control your body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who don't know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we've already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man. You're not rejecting me. I had somebody recently say to me, now you won't have to look down because we're married now. And I'm saying, look, you don't have to deal with me. You've got to deal with God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, and then we're going to move on slowly. Ephesians 5. Verse 3, but among you there must not be a hint, even a hint of sexual immorality. Talking to the church or of any kind of impurity, of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, something else is more important to him than God, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That's somebody telling you, nah, that's a bunch of junk. It's not a bunch of junk. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. For you were once darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And I love verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. What he means by, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. What that means practically, same thing John writes when he says, if you have the seed of God in you, you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can't continue to sin. That doesn't mean that a Christian can't sin or doesn't sin. You can commit every sin that you committed before you became a Christian except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is the rejection of the witness of the Spirit in your life that you need Jesus as Savior. That's the only way you can be saved. 
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with his sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the Book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.